Celebrate National French Fry Day on July 13th with Lamb Weston's Fry Tour America, topped and loaded edition. Chefs who submit a recipe have a chance to win one of 10 grand prizes of $2,000, and the first 500 to join receive a free chalk menu board. Plus, everyone who signs up gets a step-by-step guide on how to run a National French Fry Day promotion. So hop aboard Fry Tour America at nationalfrenchfryday.com. Refer to terms and conditions for details. Why are grocery prices going up so much? Hello, this is Jonathan Mays, Editor-in-Chief of Restaurant Business, and in this week's episode of A Deeper Dive, I'm joined by Christine Lafave grace the Executive Editor with RB sister publication, Winside Grocery Business, to talk about last week's CPI report. The consumer price index rose 8.3% year-over-year in April. Food prices, however, have soared, rising 9.4%. That includes 7.2% at restaurants, but at grocers, prices are up 10.8%. That is the highest it's been in more than 40 years. This affects restaurants in two ways. First, it increases overall costs for the base consumer, which may cause them to cut back on spending. Yet consumers also see these prices and they start dining out instead, especially given the 3.5% gap in pricing between the two industries. I asked Christine about the topic from the retailer's perspective. Why are grocery prices increasing as much as they have? How are consumers reacting when they do shop for groceries? And how long is this inflation expected to last? We're all talking about food prices on this week's episode of A Deeper Dive, so please have a listen. All right, I am here with Christine Lafave Grace. Christine, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me today, Jonathan. All right, super. What the hell is going on in grocery right now? Oof, it's, uh, it's hot. Inflation is hot. So CPI data, consumer price data for April was out earlier this week, as we all know. And um, it was down a little bit. Inflation cooled slightly from March. Um, Overall, of course, you know, came in at 8.3%, down from 8.5%. But grocery prices kept going up. Mm -hmm. And when you look at at overall economy, down, you know, to 8.3% from 8.5%, it's like, you know, oh, yesterday was 96 degrees. Today, it's only 92. Doesn't it feel that much better? You know? right? yeah. So it wasn't also quite what analysts were hoping for. They were looking for around 8.1% price increases year over year. And grocery is just, it's not stopping. Inflation is, is unrelenting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to put that into context, so food at home prices year over year, 10.8%. Food away from home, restaurants, 7.2%. That's a massive gap between those two. And it was, it was really remarkable that, I mean, food at home prices ventured into double-digit territory in March. They were up 10% year over year just two months ago. Last month, even as inflation overall cooled a little bit, it, grocery prices were up 10.8% year over year. That is really meaningful for people. And it's finally reached the point we're seeing where it's not just, all right, yeah, I'm selling out more. People are truly changing some of their behaviors in response. So what are they doing? How, what kind of things are they doing? They're, they're doing several different things. First and foremost is they're looking for deals, you know, bargain hunting, coupon clipping, those kinds of deal seeking behaviors those are always number one. 
But one of the behaviors that you don't see until inflation kind of reaches a tipping point is people are willing to switch retailers to get a better price. That's an investment of time on their part. And the fact that we are at this point, we've seen research from IRI, from uh, Brick Meets Click, some other data providers that are showing that consumers are actually willing to go to a different store to find a better deal. That's, that's big. Yeah. So they just go into Walmart and Aldi all the time now. <laughs> well, it's interesting. You mentioned Aldi, Aldi and other discounters, you know, like Lidl really have been doing well as a source of, you know, overall low prices. Walmart's not immune from inflation, but again, they've done positioning as, as a low price leader and, their CEO, Doug McMillan, said late last year, all the way back in November, feels like ages ago already, but he said, in fighting inflation is in our DNA. So definitely Walmart is, is well positioned. When we look at what people are putting in baskets, that's changing too. As far back as last fall, we were seeing people put some less meat in baskets, actually. People are giving non-essential items the boot. So, you know, the gum, the candy, the bag of chips, impulse items, those maybe are getting left out or getting left out of the basket more often. In addition, people are maybe exploring some other alternatives. They're looking for ways to make a pound of ground beef go farther. Maybe it's not that center plate item that it was. Maybe you're using it in a salad. Maybe you're making tacos on Tuesday instead of, you know, something else that's going to be a bit more food cost intensive. Right, right. Meat prices, meat, poultry, fish, and eggs. I'm looking at this 14.3% year over year. So, you know, you see these prices and you're looking like, hey, I want some steak tonight. And then you look at, oh, my God, no, I don't want steak because that's uh, a lot more per pound than, than I ever remember it being. And so, you know, so they start shifting their behaviors. That makes a ton of sense. And it's, it's interesting because that point, that 14.3% for the index for meat, poultry, fish and eggs, that's a level not seen since May 1979. And once you start saying, you know, the 70s, then you are really having the flashbacks of, mm-hmm. of inflation. That's something that triggers a memory, you know, for people. Um, one thing that's important to note, we've heard this from a few people, uh, notably Jonna Parker over at IRI, is consumers also are looking at things holistically, right? So a meal at home still, generally speaking, is going to be cheaper than a meal away from home. So yeah, consumers have pulled back some of their spending at restaurants. I think about 63% was the latest figure have said that that's an area where they're looking to save money, dining out less frequently. But also there is that still pent up desire to indulge. And maybe maybe you are splurging on the steak from a supermarket and not going out for the steak dinner at a restaurant. Right, right. Um, on the restaurant side, we haven't necessarily Necessarily seen a ton of evidence yet. Um, you know, restaurant sales actually over the past two years have, have been, uh, they've uh, uh, recovered really nicely, but it's also, there's a lot of noise. And so part of the problem that we have is in trying to figure out, all right, how how is the industry actually doing? Because, you know, traffic numbers have been all over the place. My general sense of things is that by the time we get a couple of months out, we're going to take a look back at this and start realizing that consumers did actually cut down the number of times they were eating out. They're spending more when they go. 
but you know, traffic numbers and at restaurants are are down pretty consistently, uh, depending no matter where you were at. And, and so I would imagine that, yeah, you're seeing that. And I mean, I, I agree with you on that. It's like, it, it is still fundamentally cheaper to eat at home than it is to eat in restaurants and you can control portion sizes. You can control what you're, you know, you can control sort of the ingredients. You could do, you know, things like, you know, adding, you know, more breadcrumbs to your hamburger, things like that. You know, you can, you know, add beans or whatever. You can eat more vegetarian items, things like that. You can't really do it at a restaurant. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a tough environment. And I, I think to me that the prices that we're seeing at the grocery store are absolutely having an impact on consumer psyche right now. Do you get that? You you agree with that right now? I mean, do you think that consumers are looking at these, you know, nearly 11% higher prices for their grocery bill? And then just. Absolutely. Since January, we have seen inflation be consumers' number one concern Mm -hmm. at the grocery store. That is kind of the tipping point when it flipped from Omicron worries to inflation. And that gap between inflation and pretty much everything else has only widened since then. Yeah, consumers are concerned about inventory issues. We had seen some stock up behavior and there's still some of that going on. It's less of a concern from that perspective of, you know, the item's not gonna be available next time as it is about inflation. But you also reach a point, there's some new, there's some new data out this week of consumers in certain areas just have really reached their limit even for stocking up. There's only so much stocking up you can do on a budget. So yeah, maybe you want to go out to Costco and grab, you know, all of the chickens, the rotisserie chickens, you can't freeze them. But there's a point where you can't do that in areas where national inflation was lower than local inflation. Consumers were not able to stock up as much as they maybe would have liked. Yeah. I'm going to, I got to go to Costco tomorrow, by the way, I'm going to get like five chickens. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's, I want to ask you a little bit about the reasons why we're seeing, I mean, I can think of from an economics perspective, why the, I mean, because, you know, I mean, you have this big of a gap between, you know, approximately do some quick math. I mean, that's like three and a half percent difference, three hundred fifty yeah. basis point difference between restaurants and 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 food. Now, the food at home, food away from home, is a little skewed because it's probably more in the seven point five to seven point eight when you're talking menu prices, because a lot of that includes free lunch programs, which right, exactly. Yeah. But still, you're still talking a three hundred basis point probably difference between the two. But they both roughly do, you know, sell sell food and still seeing, you know, high food and labor costs. Why do you think why is why are grocery prices going up so much? Sure. Well, that's that's the that's the big question, right? That's a question that uh, a lot of grocery executives are getting. They will come back and say, no, our margins still it's it's not a matter. It's not us. Right. It's never the big guy's issue when we're looking at a whole bunch of different factors, I mean, you're absolutely right. A lot of the same things are at play. Transportation costs are up. We got the producer price index out this week as well. And traffic, you know, prices for transportation by freight, by air, those are still up by double digits year over year. When we're looking at some of the volumes and the variety of goods that we've got in food, it really is just, It's huge across the board, right? And you got to stock everything. At the grocery store, you know, you can't, 
change your menu up because food costs are rising in a certain way. It is across the board. Consumers are still eating 80% of their meals at home, according to IRI, which is a level that stayed pretty consistent for the past several months. It's elevated over pre-pandemic levels because a lot of people still who have the luxury of working from home, a lot of people still are working from home. So a lot of those meals are still at home. There's still the higher demand and it's just pressures from every angle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, the food costs are, I mean, looking at, looking at the producer price index right now, food product, food costs up 16% from a restaurant's perspective. You know, usually you see restaurant prices, restaurant prices exceed grocery prices when labor is the bigger concern. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so when labor costs are going up because restaurants, labor costs are, are far higher than they are at the grocery store. So roughly, roughly 30% of their costs go into labor, 30% food, you know, whereas, you know, grocery obviously has a higher, higher inventory cost versus restaurants, but it still doesn't, you know, the, if you're looking at the food prices compared with the labor costs, cause you know, the wage rates are up in the 13% plus range over the past year. So it doesn't matter. So it, so it still doesn't quite make a ton of sense to me why there would be this kind of gap. And I wonder if, you know, the other, I just wonder if something else is, if, if, if it's just really a, a, a margin issue or something along those lines where that they have to really catch up or something like that. Cause I don't, it's still, does that sort of, it, it, it just seem doesn't seem like there should be that kind of gap. To me. And those are questions that executives are going to be getting in the next couple months. I mean, we're getting right into the heart of earnings season. You know, Walmart is going to be out next week. Target's going to be out next week. Already we've seen on, you know, on a separate note, the Biden administration, President Biden himself meeting with leaders of Walmart and Target earlier this week to talk about the baby baby formula shortage and what they are doing to, you know, help manage things there. That's an industry-wide shortage that's been worsening for months. And that's not, you know, just obviously retail issue, huge manufacturing problems there. But, you know, it's going to be a more intense scrutiny of grocers, I think, in the next several months over, well, how are you helping the American consumer cope? Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's, I, I, this is not necessary. What is going on? Uh, what is going on with the baby formula? Why is that such a problem? With baby formula? Yeah. So data assembly reported that we started seeing stockouts across the country last summer. Supplies had been pretty consistent and then, you know, supply chain issues, whether it's getting the trucks in place. Consumer Brands Association, CPG Trade Group has been railing on this for months. You know, you don't have the people to get out on the road to transport things or they're waiting. And the, on the manufacturing side, you're dealing with high turnover there and, and slowdowns in production there. So this has been going on for a few months. In February, Abbott, based over in, uh, in Lake, Fort, Lake Bluff, Illinois, issued a voluntary recall of products after four children who had consumed products made by an Abbott plant in Sturgis, Michigan, fell ill. Two of those children later died. Abbott took all of those products, took the whole plant offline, which was huge. The industry is dominated by four players and taking Abbott out of the market. You're looking at, you know, Similac brands, one of the top brands in in formula. That 
just made things hugely more difficult for parents. Our own Christina Herdig is a mom of a young one, and she's been dealing with this for for months as well. She's had to change, you know, her shopping behaviors with Amazon, with Target ordering online. It's only worsened. And as of the week that ended May 8th, Data Assembly reported earlier this week, stockouts across the country were 43%. You look at metro, yeah, metro areas like San Antonio, even last month, 56%. I mean, that's not, you know, oh, the favorite chips that I want are out of stock. This is really important for, for health. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not like you can, you know, like if we're out of chicken, I can eat beef. Right. You know, if you, you got a baby and that baby consumes formula, that's what the baby consumes for several months of their life. Yeah. And you, and you can't, one thing that hasn't been widely covered, we're going to be diving into this more next week. I mean, it's, you cannot just necessarily switch formula brands either to what else is available. There are a whole lot of kids with digestive sensitivities, with other nutrition needs and issues for whom you've got a choice of maybe two brands Mm -hmm. and otherwise parents are just scrambling. Yeah. Yeah. Having awful flashbacks of when my kids were babies. It's just scary just feeding them. So I guess back to some of this, do you, do you see these costs? I mean, or is it, or is it affecting how the grocery, how the, the retail industry is, is, is reacting. I mean, are they doing anything different in terms because of these higher costs? Is it affecting expansion? Is it expecting, affecting their, their business models at all? We haven't seen a lot of that so far. When we were in November and, you know, going through quarterly results, then everybody was looking toward, oh, we expect things to get better pretty, pretty early in 2022. That absolutely has changed. Now it's more, oh, we, we expect to see some, you know, improvement the back half of the year. That said, improvement is still expected. We're expected to see supply chain issues improving if no other variants come out that, you know, throw a wrench in things and add more time off, paid leave scenarios to complicate things. But executives are still, you know, expressing that optimism that after the past two years, we're still, you know, things are running well and they're going to get better as the year goes on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, to be honest, actually in, in the, the earnings, we've, we've just had, uh, you know, a ton of earnings the past couple of weeks. And, you know, restaurants on balance, you know, had, you know, going into this year, were projecting some what I thought were pretty awful commodity cost increases. I mean, labor has been an issue for a while, but, you know, commodities were, you know, you're talking about eight to 10 percent. And even in those projections, even in those uh, those generally high expectations, it's even worse. So, I mean, I, we, I just did a story on Subway's meat problems. They can't get things like turkey, for instance. And, you know, their, their meat costs are up 25% and just blew away their projections. And that's been normal. I mean, that's been just constant. Like we had uh, Dutch Bros like this week reported earnings and their dairy costs were up like 28, 25%. And they didn't expect it. And dairy costs apparently 28% of their uh, food basket, which is kind of a big deal. So, I mean, it just kind of hit everybody by surprise. And so from what I can perspective and and from what I can tell, the amount of discouraged executives on the topic of food costs have been uh, on the increase. I mean, the number, the 
there's a lot more pessimism, at least from what I can see on, on the food costs in terms of, you know, when is it going to ease? And we've been dealing with this now for how long? Two years. And and everything has been worse than we expected. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's interesting. Your your characterization of it. Consumer brands, they issued their 2022 outlook late last week, I believe. And they described 2022 as cautious optimism, reasoned pessimism. It's, you know, as much as you want to get back to normal. Well, and the other big thing you get, you got to include in the conversation, right, is the war in Ukraine and how long that happens. Right. We heard people earlier this week, um, you know, from UN food programs saying that if you don't get the port open, you know, in, in Kiev and Odessa, within 60 days, grain doesn't get out this year, which has massive implications. Right. And grain prices year over year at the producer price, at the wholesale price level, are up 41%. What happens the longer the war in Ukraine goes on? What happens if ports don't get open? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The number of black swan events that, this, that, that these industries are having to deal with and the consumer is having to deal with is just insane. So you have the pandemic, right? And then this constant pandemic. So almost the pandemic is almost like just a series of black swan events, because like you ever, you also have basically China, much of China's shut down right now. Yeah. And that's affecting, that's affecting all sorts of things. You have the war in Ukraine that you mentioned, which is a black swan event. You have the bird flu, which we haven't even talked about. We haven't even talked right. about. Yeah. The birds. Yeah. Uh, the bird flu. So, I mean, chicken prices are through the roof. Poultry prices are completely through the roof in companies like Subway can't get turkey. By the way, the six inch turkey sub at Subway is a best-selling sandwich in the United States. Wow. And they can't get turkey, which is kind of a big deal. And I, I, I mean, it's just a just this brutal series of things that the industry has to go with. And then then they have to answer questions about why your prices are going up so much. Right. And everybody's so desperate to project optimism after after two years of, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to ride this out. It's it, it makes me think of, you know. Finding Nemo, it's Dory. It's just keep swimming. <laughs> I'm gonna uh, switch before we uh, in the last couple of minutes here. I wanted to switch gears a little bit. Uh, one of the things that that people that the the restaurant industry is always interested in and in looking at at grocery is is what they're doing on prepared food. And I remember a few years ago, man, the entire industry was all freaked out about people companies like Whole Foods doing things such as selling pizzas and things of that nature. Uh, is that still sort of a major uh, growth area for that business or what are they doing on prepared foods right now? Yeah, that's, that's a don't call it a comeback story, right? Because all of the sampling and all of the in-store salad bars, all of that, that went out the window for more than a year at the start of the pandemic. That started to come back last summer. The hot bar started to come back. Um, and Delhi is an area that has been an outperformer for grocery. It was really interesting. We've had data from, from a number of sources in the past few months of while people are watching their budgets at the grocery store, they will pay for convenience. Mm-hmm. So they will pay for the fried chicken. They will pay for, especially if you're entertaining, it's going to be cheaper to provide food from the grocery store than it is from a restaurant for whatever special occasion for the graduations coming up that are going to be bigger celebrations this year than they were last year or two years ago. And you can get a better deal from the supermarket. So grocery stores are going hard on retail food service. That's been a bright spot for them. And it looks to 
kind of continue that trend. You see them investing in those kind of showcase kitchens and see, you know, places like uh, Mark Kitchen and Market, make sure I said that in the right order, in Chicago, where you can get, you know, a variety of uh, a variety of sushi, of the fresh prepared food, the wines, you know, really turning into, into the experience because, gosh, you're going you're gonna to pay to get something on the table convenient and, uh, and at a better price than you might from a restaurant. Right, right. Well, nothing kind of beats like I go back to the I just the the Costco chickens thing. I'm probably not buying five chickens. I'll want to because mm-hmm. we just cut cut them up and then save them and then use them yeah. for a long time. And but it's but it, nothing kind of beats it. It's really when you're out grocery shopping, you have to go home with your groceries anyway. So you might as well have a meal while you're while you're there because you know you've bought all those groceries. So the first thing you want to do, of course, is not cook. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so, so, it, so it makes sense. So, so that's, that's a, a sector that's been doing pretty well prepared foods at uh, the delis, I guess is what you call it. That's your. Yeah. Yeah. Deli has been, uh, has been delivering for, mm-hmm. for grocery. Right. right. Super. Christine, this was fantastic. Really appreciate you joining me this week on the podcast. Thanks so much, Jonathan. Pleasure to be here. And that should do it for this week's episode of A Deeper Dive, which was edited, as always, by Kimmy Kazmarek, artwork by Nico Hines. You may find this and other episodes of the podcast on our website at www.restaurantbusinessonline.com backslash article backslash deeper dash dive. You may also find them on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anywhere else you see your podcast. I'm Jonathan Mays, the host, podcast producer, and the editor-in-chief of Restaurant Business. Thank you for listening. Celebrate National French Fry Day on July 13th with Lamb Weston's Fry Tour America, topped and loaded edition. Chefs who submit a recipe have a chance to win one of 10 grand prizes of $2,000, and the first 500 to join receive a free chalk menu board. Plus, everyone who signs up gets a step-by-step guide on how to run a National French Fry Day promotion. So hop aboard Fry Tour America at nationalfrenchfryday.com. Refer to terms and conditions for details.